What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Carnes, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Hammock. Daniel, good news, bad news. Good news, we've made it to Rivalry Week. A lot of fun this week. We have three three days of good games. Love, you know. We get a Thanksgiving game, which I'll let you mention. Um, but it's the last regular season week of the season, and it's the last week of the regular season that we have a fourteen playoff in, where the the stakes are this year, especially at an all time high. Heading into this last week, there's still, I mean, we're eight nine deep in teams that are still in contention for a playoff spot heading into the last week. It doesn't get much better than this. And I want to just want to tell the fans out there, enjoy this weekend because it's, we're not going to have another one like it for a little while. Sports not going away. Doesn't mean the sport's going to suck, but this weekend's going to feel a little extra special this, this weekend. Oh yeah. Savor this one. It's kind of like how we felt coming into the season. You wanted to savor it because Pac-12, as it's currently standing, you know, every, yeah, just all the the before the Big 12 starts changing up a good bit with Texas and Oklahoma, Big Ten shifting. You know, it's like this was kind of that last hurrah. It's all crescendo to one of the best regular seasons we've seen in that there's so many teams that are vying for those spots, like you mentioned. Heading into this weekend, which, you know, it's a long weekend because you get the, you know, you get the, you always have a Thursday game, but a Thursday rivalry game, uh, you get all the Friday games. Friday games don't typically happen, but Black Friday, you've got just a slew of games. Um, and Jacob, I mean, what I would say is if there is a playoff team out there that has made it to this point, who would be more motivated than their arch rival? than to ruin their playoff hopes. This is the perfect week for chaos. We haven't seen a whole lot of chaos just yet. We have, but not, you know, in, in November, so to speak. This could be where it comes from. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm very excited to see just, you know, the, the whole, this weekend as a whole. I feel like we might get, you know, something happen on each day that's noteworthy. And we are going to talk about the eight teams that still have a playoff spot. We're talking about all eight tonight. So uh, those are the games we picked, all playing in rivalry games. So not even just like a random last week. How fun, like you mentioned, all eight teams vying for a playoff spot, all playing their rival who would love nothing more than to just ruin mm. their season. It doesn't get any better than this. Daniel, what's a game? What's a rivalry game that we're not picking that you're excited to watch? Well, it's surprising that we're not picking it because we both love this game. But I'm going to go with the Egg Bowl. We've alluded to it a little bit. But, yeah, Thursday night on Thanksgiving evening, once you've um, had all of your fixings and you're you know really tired of watching NFL football, at 7.30 you flip over to see a game that truly matters, and that's the Egg Bowl. That's right. Mississippi State with an interim coach playing to go to a bowl game. Against a nine and two Ole Miss team that it would love nothing more than to be ten and two after this game. So uh, this it's it's just going to be a fun one. I, I look to see Ole Miss. I mean, this run that Lane Kiffin is on the past three three years under Ole, for Ole Miss is the greatest three years in Ole Miss history. 
I mean, he's really putting in it's crazy to think, uh, you know, because it is a storied program, at least with, you know, rich tradition, uh, you know, not necessarily. And this is not meant to be a shot, not necessarily a winning tradition of being one of the blue bloods or anything like that. But just a rich southern tradition of, you know, great school, great memories, great tale, great. They always say they, they never lose a tailgate, all that, the Grove, all of it. But the team is consistently a top 15 team right now, top 10 uh, at some points. So they definitely turned a corner. Get this 10 wins in the regular season kind of cements uh, this three-year run that Lane Kiffin has been on with this Ole Miss team. So looking forward to that one and potentially some chaos. Who knows? Daniel, in the modern era, counting how many 10-win seasons Ole Miss has had, um, Four, five, six, seven, eight. This year would be nine, and two of them will have come from Lane Kiffin. So, mm-hmm. yeah, very impressive. I love the Egg Bowl. It is a, undoubtedly, it is a tier one rivalry in college football. Yeah. Like, I think you got to put this up here with, like, you know, Georgia, Florida, uh, Red River Shootout, um, the the game, which we're going to get to. Like, I think it is up there with those rivalries. I, I, it's excellent. It is one of my personal favorites. Because like you mentioned, there's chaos every year. Um, another tier one rivalry that we're not talking about, again, surprising, is the Iron Bowl. Mm. Alabama and Auburn. This year it's at Auburn. Um, Daniel, to, to quote our, our friend Chip Patterson over at Cover 3, wouldn't it be hilarious? <laughs> if, if Auburn goes and loses to New Mexico State and then comes back home and beats Alabama and ruins their season, um, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> but no, yeah. To be clear, yeah. I'm not picking it to happen. But man, if you freeze, just you know, tanked the, the New Mexico State game <laughs> just to save it, I don't think it's possible. But yeah, uh, do you love the Iron Bowl? That would be, I mean, truly, like, I mean, Sick. a save the season situation and then some for Hugh Freeze. So, uh, absolutely insane to even consider that, to even fathom that. Uh, but, yeah, that's, I mean, the biggest embarrassment ever for Auburn could become, and, you know, could become... Alabama's greatest embarrassment if they were to not to not seal that game. But again, it'll be a hard fought game, but there's a reason we're not picking it. That's right. Daniel, let's dive in. Let's start in the Big 12. Uh, Brett Yormark made some comments preseason about how he would be in Austin and he would uh, love nothing more than to see Texas Tech beat Texas on the way out. Said this to, of course, a group of Texas Tech people before the season. Um, we get it now again, a rivalry game with all the stakes where Texas has to win to keep their college football playoff hopes alive. Texas Tech coming in 6-5. and five. They've clinched a bowl game, but again, would love nothing more than to wreck Texas's season. Daniel, Texas, though a 13.5-point favorite, how do you feel about this game in Austin? Yeah, I <laughs> Texas is tough because, you know, 
what we've talked about it for the past couple of weeks where some of these games that they've played close would have been losses probably in the past few years for Texas. This is a different identity. Uh, you know, they're a deeper team, have a better mindset, better culture, it seems. Uh, so I do think that they've made that turn. Quinn Ewers is back, came back and was able to play really well against, um, against Iowa State last week. Texas Tech is on a three game win streak, uh, but each of those wins was by one possession. Um, and the past two have just been by four points total. So I do think that, you know, Texas Tech, while they are winning games and are doing what they need to do, they're, they're going to lose this game. Texas is on a mission. Uh, they have an opportunity to make the playoff. Obviously, it starts with winning this game, going into the Big 12 championship, and then taking care of business there. So I think, I think Texas wins. Looking at the line, which is what we're picking against, it's 13 and a half. I'd really like this one if it was under 10 because I feel like that's a Texas, you just hammer it home. I'm going to take Texas to lay the 13 and a half because I do feel strongly they're going to win. And I, you know, I think it's one of these where they're consistently staying ahead of them by at least a touchdown all game and maybe even like a ahead of them with touchdown and possession of the ball. And then they, eventually just take over and do it. If it was over 14 points, that is kind of my stopping point where I feel really nervous about a cover. So obviously Vegas knows what they're doing. It's a great line. I'm going to stick with Texas. Hook them horns. Texas's best chance to lose, I think, came last week. That was a tough spot against Iowa State where you're on the road against a competent team, a team that I think they'd lost Daniel five of the last six against Iowa State. It was something crazy like that. Oh, I'm yeah, going yeah, into yeah. the game. And uh, yeah, it was a close game, but they, they came out on top and they won that game. Um, Daniel, they also had two touchdowns called back because of penalties um, in that game that were 20 plus yard passes both times, which, you know, one ended up being a turnover on downs and the other one they ended up kicking a field goal. So. That game could have been a lot worse than it was. I'm also going to go Texas here. I think that this is the kind of game where you don't hold back. Like you, you want momentum going into the Big 12 championship. They need this game to clinch the Big 12 championship. So you're going to get a best effort from Texas at home, senior day. Uh, I expect Texas to give a full effort in this game. Um, Ewers getting a little more healthy. Uh, Texas is a better team. They're giving me a full effort. Yeah, this being under 14 is important for me. So mm. uh, give me Texas, lay the 13 and a half, and they stay alive in the playoff race. Let's go to the Pac-12 on Friday. We've got the Civil War, Oregon and Oregon State. Oregon State, hard-fought effort last week against Washington in the rain. They come up to short Oregon has been rolling since their loss against Washington. Um, Oregon, the 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Daniel, a lot of people, maybe including you and me, think that Oregon's the best team in the Pac-12, despite their uh, loss against Washington. Can they go out and prove that this week against the rival with a 13-and-a-half-point line? What do you think? Yeah, so this is similar to the game we just talked about. Obviously, it's the same line, 13-and-a-half points. And you've got Oregon at home, just like how Texas is at home. Both of these are one-loss teams playing to go 
to that championship game. So very similar paths for both of them. Um, I for Oregon, I mean, so so Oregon State, great effort. I mean, against Washington in the rain. I mean, that that's just, and I don't think Oregon State played their best game. I'm curious if yeah, Washington didn't play the best game either. So you know, it was it was tough. Oregon State maybe feels like they left a little meat on the bone in that game. Um, but two point loss against Washington, I think there's a, maybe a little bit of the air let out of the, you know, their sails, so to speak. And Oregon has been, like you've mentioned, they've been on a mission ever since beating after, ever since getting beaten, excuse me, by Washington. I mean, they are double digit win after double digit win, big, you know, blowout win after blowout win. Um, Offense is clicking. Defense is clicking. I think. I mean, they're, you know, with Bo Nix at quarterback, he's one of the shortlist Heisman guys and, I mean, very likely could win it. He was my pick before the year. Shout out. Um, but, yeah, I think Bo, Bo Nix leads this offense to this victory, but I also think the defense is going to hold – hold Oregon State under 20. Um, and I think you're looking at maybe like a, a 35 to, to 40 point, um, you know, offensive output for Oregon. So I think this one is big. Um, it might be a second half of kind of distancing themselves, but Oregon's the better team. They're at home. I think they cover. They've got so much to play for. Um uh, and I think that all this recent stuff with, you know, we've, we've mentioned with Dan Lanning with how emphatically he turned down publicly the Texas A&M rumors and the job and everything like that, that can galvanize your team to really believe. So they're going to, you know, they're going to push uh, Bo Nix, like I said, for the Heisman. So, you know, they're not going to let up. I think I, I feel good about a cover here because they're going to try to score as much as they can to get, you know, any any additional points, touchdowns for Bo Nix to potentially win that Heisman, they're going to win this game big. Oregon is the best offense in the country. <laughs> we, we were talking about a pre-show. Uh, they're number one in SP+. They are number one in EPA per play in the country, number one in yards per play in the country, yards per play differential in the country. They're number one in net success rate in the country, this Oregon team is elite. They didn't play their best game against Washington. Washington played a... Both teams honestly played well enough to win that game. Um, Washington wins at home. I just, Oregon's playing like the best team in the country right now. Or like one of the best teams in the country. Let me say that. Um, and 13 and a half points. I think it's going to be tough for Oregon State to take that loss where they still controlled their own destiny as of last week. Now they're officially knocked out of the Pac-12 championship. I think it's pretty deflating to take that loss at home and then go on the road back-to-back weeks against the best two teams in the Pac-12. I just think that's a really, really tough spot. Um, Oregon State is good enough to win this game on the right day, but not on Friday. G- give me the 13 and a half, lay them. Uh, I like the Ducks big, like you said, in this game. And uh, shout out to you getting on that Bo, Bo Heisman stock because... 
he's definitely got an opportunity to to lock this down over the next couple of weeks. Because um, I mean, bottom line is there's like a thousand voters, and he's playing an extra game that Jaden Daniels will be playing. So, right, he's got he's got a shot um, to lock this one up. All right, Daniel, let's get to it. Saturday, high noon, big noon kickoff, eleven time, eleven a.m. local. We've got the game. And Daniel, I remember growing up, you and I grew up in Metro Atlanta, and I remember hearing about like the game. And I'm like, man, you know, this rivalry can't be as good as, you know, these rivalries we have down south. Um, and then I'm looking at it historically and I'm like, oh, wow, they actually played some like number one versus number two games. But that was a long time ago as I was growing up in middle school, high school, um, post high school, college, you know, we just didn't see it. And right. for, you know, since I've been a big college football fan, it was dominated by Ohio State. Like, I got to watch the urban era. Um, heck, Jim Trestle had Michigan's number there for a little while. Um, we watched Michigan screw around for about a decade with some bad hires at head coach. Uh, Harbaugh, we thought, might not work out. Um, now Michigan's beaten Ohio State two years in a row. They've been a more physical team. This rivalry is special. Once again, this is two years in a row where both teams come in undefeated into mm. this game. It's not number one versus number two, but it is number two versus number three. Uh, this is as big as it gets in college football. And like we mentioned, this is going to change next year because there's a chance that next year the result doesn't matter because both teams have already locked up their position in the Big Ten Championship. But this year, Daniel, all the stakes. You could eliminate the other team from the postseason because of how many one loss and zero loss teams there are. This is for everything. This is a quarterfinal for the playoff. Mm. We get it in the regular season. Like we at Michigan with all the scandal, they feel like they're the victim and them against the world. Ryan Days had to sit on losing to Michigan two years in a row. That team's had to sit with that and let it boil. We get the game. High noon, Michigan, a three and a half point favorite. Daniel, where are you going to the game, man? This, this this is the biggest one of the weekend. Oh yeah, this one. I mean, this is what you live for with college football. And, That's right. Uh, tradition, pageantry, relevance. That's what Hatred. rivalries are about. <laughs> You've got to be relevant for it to be an awesome rivalry. That's why you know so. If, if one team has won 12 in a row, it stops feeling like a rivalry. You know, this one with Michigan getting the last two, it has rejuvenated this rivalry. It has always been big. Ohio State has always hated Michigan. Michigan has always hated Ohio State. The way they talk about each other is fun because it exemplifies everything. You know, it, it shows what college football is for so many people. Uh, you hate your rival. You love your team. You hate your rival. And then you enjoy the whole sport. That's what this is about. So you just mentioned the two things that are, are really like novel in this. I mean, both of these teams are great. So that that's one thing I think in several metrics you can look at. I think both have great defenses, both have, you know, offenses that are balanced and can do multiple things. So that's, what's great about them. I don't feel like either one is, you know, one dimensional necessarily. And, that's what makes it so interesting because you really don't know what's going to happen. So the, the Michigan fake victim situation 
is intriguing. It's galvanized the team. Are they going to battle, you know, Jim Harbaugh's not standing on the sidelines for this game. It's, you know, Sherman Moore. So they're going to what, – what's going to happen with that? On the other side, Ryan Day, if he loses three in a row, despite his exemplary record, I mean, that's a pretty big, like, pill to swallow with Michigan fans. Like, or with Ohio State fans dealing with these Michigan losses, excuse me. So, uh, I, it's, it's very tough to decide who is, I mean, this game is obviously motivating for both. They're always motivated for it year round, 365 days a year. That's something I like to key in though, is like, does it matter more to one side or the other? Cause I think that side might be tighter. Um, I think it might matter a little bit more to Ohio State because of that. I am picking Ohio State because I think that game day management is going to matter. Jim Harbaugh is not going to be there. And I think that the two years in a row has been, you know, too much. Ohio State is going to just come in, you know, focused and ready to go. They're healthy finally. Like I mentioned that they're balanced. I really think Travion Henderson, honestly, I think Travion Henderson is the difference in this game because Marvin Harrison Jr. can do his thing. He'll probably score a couple, a touchdown or two, but I think that being able to control ball control, Travion Henderson, I think that's going to be big. Um, and then down the stretch, I think there's going to be something where they're like, man, if Jim Harbaugh was here, whatever, you know, and, you know, I, I think it's going to be close. I'm taking Ohio State. I get points. That was my – what it came down to was which team gets points because I think it's that close. But I think Ohio State by, like, a very small margin. I don't think anyone's getting blown out this year. So Ohio State, let's just say by a field goal, um, give me the Buckeyes. I have a counterpoint to something you said. You said the team that the game matters more to is going to play tighter. Um, I'll give credit to Barton Simmons for saying this several years ago of Ohio state is the team that cares more about this rivalry. And he said in a lot of rivalries, usually it's the, the little brother who cares the most. And he said, what happens when big brother cares the most about the game? He said, is what Ohio state's done to Michigan for the last decade. And it's something urban brought is like, we have three goals. It's to beat Michigan. It's to win the big 10. It's to win the national championship. Um, and you saw for years what that was. I think that that carried over in today's first season. I don't know if Day has cared as much about beating Michigan as Urban did. Like, I mean, Urban's mm. one of the best college football coaches ever as far as the, that side of stuff goes. Um, let's talk about this game, though. I, I do think this matters more to Ohio State. I do think, though, that you get some added motivation from Michigan, whether it's justified or not. It's not. Um, with the... Dipping against the world and <laughs> pretending they're the victim in this situation that they accepted their own punishment because um, they know they were in the wrong. Beside the point, um, let's talk some football, some matchups. Um, Daniel, what is the trivia question? What's the best unit on the field? Answer. Ohio State's defense. Ohio State's defense is the best unit on the field. And they're the number one ranked defense in SP+. That's right, not Michigan. It's Ohio State's defense. Not even their offense. Jim Knowles in year two, we see a clear difference of what a Jim Knowles defense looks like with five stars 
and not a bunch of three stars at Oklahoma State. Um, when I'm looking for edges here, so I think that when Ohio State's defense is on the field, how much is Michigan going to be able to score? Um, J.J. McCarthy has not thrown a touchdown pass in November. Is that going to matter? The whole, like, okay, mm-hmm. it's Penn State. They just ran the ball 30 times in a row. Was that because that's what they just needed to do and, like, could do to win? Sure. What about against Maryland? Like, this game last year was won because of Michigan's explosive plays. Sure, they were, like, physical, but, like, literally, Daniel, like, it was over half of their yards came off of five plays in this game last year. With Ohio State secondary, I don't think that happens again. So that's an interesting matchup to watch. I think this does come back to who can have the most explosive plays. And when we go to the other side of the ball, when Michigan's defense is on the field and Ohio State's offense is on the field, there's two players that I think are game changers in this game, and they both play for Ohio State. It's number 18, it's number 32. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvin Harrison mm-hmm. Jr. is the best receiver in the country. You could argue he's the best player in the country. Kyle McCord, I think the second half of the season, Ryan Day started scheming stuff up for him. I think they've, they've taken the decision out of his hands, and it's been like, hey, throw it here. And about half the time, it's the number 18. And he's good enough where you, if, <laughs> if it's close, he's going to go get the ball, and he's going to run, run after the catch. In the backfield, Travion Henderson, again, second best player in the field. He's healthy finally. I, I think that cannot be overstated in a game where I think explosive plays are going to matter. You've got the two mm-hmm. most explosive players in the Ohio State offense and the best unit on the field in the Ohio State defense. Give me the Buckeyes on the road. I think they're, they're the more physical team in this game. I also think it's not crazy to say they could have a quarterback advantage in this game. We'll see. I like Ohio State by a touchdown or more in this game. Um, I think it's going to matter to win this game. I think Ohio State's starting to play like one of the best teams in the country very quietly because their schedule was front-loaded when they won all their games, and then it's kind of gone under the radar the past several weeks. They're being elite. They're peaking at the right time like several other teams in the country. And the biggest game of the year, give me Ohio State. Very excited to watch this. (laughs) Jacob, did we pick Ohio State each of the last two years? So year one, in 2021, Yes, and I remember definitively picking Ohio State. I'm going to blame the snow on that one. Last year, I did pick Michigan. Okay. Because I remember saying, what I don't know what the point spread was, but I, I feel like it was double digits. Maybe it wasn't that high, but I was like, what has Ohio State done this year to prove that they should be a favorite in this game? I remember saying that and being like, absolutely not getting Michigan. Because um, they kept scooting by last year mm-hmm. in several games. And I was like, there's no reason they should be a favorite. I just. Just recreationally thinking about that because it's obviously prior to two years ago, it's always been Ohio State. It's just like, oh, yeah. Right. And then you and I have both been pretty big on Ohio State preseason each year. So it was just something I'm I'm wondering. I feel like I think it's Ohio State every all three times, but (laughs) despite what Michigan uh... last year. Despite what Lou Holt says, I do think Ohio State's been a lot more physical this year. If they lose, it will mm-hmm. not be because they get out physical on Saturday. I will bold prediction. There you go. If they lose, it won't be because they were not physical during the game. Can't wait. 
very excited. This is awesome. This is an awesome game. Let's go to the I say the SEC. One of the SEC ACC rivalries, one of three we're gonna talk about to finish this out. Um, Kentucky and Louisville. That's right. Louisville, stone contention. They're all the way down at nine in the playoff rankings, but they're ten and one. And they've got a shot to win this game. They've already locked in their spot in the ACC championship. If they win that, they'll be a one-loss ACC conference champ, just like Clemson was when they went to the playoff all those years. Um, So everything's still on the table for Louisville. They need some help. But they host their rival Kentucky on Saturday. That line, Daniel, is at six and a half, just under a touchdown. Where are you going with this game in Louisville? Yeah, this one, I mean, it's funny because Kentucky in recent history has really taken care of Louisville. And I'm trying to get, I know overall record is uh, Kentucky leads the series 37-17. So it's like I always like to get that kind of vibe when I'm picking these games because I think about who thinks who is the big brother, you know, who is big brother, who's little brother. Of course, both. Every team thinks they're big brother to a certain extent. Um, you would think Auburn probably knows that they're little brother to Alabama, but who knows? Um, this one, I feel like Kentucky feels like the big brother, and Louisville's rolling in, or I guess it's it's at Louisville. So Louisville, they're just a top ten team. They have an opportunity to make the playoff. We've talked about that. It would take a lot of help, but they've got an opportunity. Kentucky's just coming in here, man, and they've just got no expectations. And it's at noon, and they're six-and-a-half-point underdog. I have a feeling about it. I mean, you can't say this about all the games all the time. There's been a lot of chalk this year. Kentucky hasn't been great. They've ran. They've had a couple of games where they've looked dominant running the ball with with Ray Davis. Devin Leary has had spurts of looking like a a competent quarterback, and then he's had spurts of looking borderline unwatchable, like he's just not going to be able to to help them. I think Louisville has been consistently good for the whole season. I think they had a scare last week against Miami. Realistically, they should win this game. If I'm picking it straight up, I would say that Louisville wins by a touchdown. And I would say, all right, I'm going to go rest my head. That's my rest my head on the pillow pick. But I'm taking Kentucky with the points. I think something's going to happen. I think this is one of the upsets for the day. Uh, and I just think it's because they're playing with house money. They're They're already going bowling, so there's no like – weird pressure in their head about trying to go, you know, have a bowl game. And then Louisville might be thinking, Hey, we've got our date with Florida state next week. You know, let's go handle Kentucky at home and and do our thing. And I think Kentucky's just going to roll in there and win. So uh, I think Kentucky wins outright, but I'll take the six and a half points while we do it. You're taking Kentucky outright. Taking Kentucky outright, but I'll take those points too. So, my, my my instant reaction was like, oh, Kentucky in the spot. Like, college football solves itself. We're not going to have to worry about one loss Louisville. This always works itself out, whatever. Um, big game Brom is what I'm worried about. Jeff Brom in big games 
is elite against the spread. Like, you remember Ohio State going into town against unranked Purdue and just getting boat raced? Like, he did it at Purdue. He has done it twice in their biggest games this year um, against Duke and against Notre Dame. Duke, they shut out. Notre Dame, they won by two scores, and it was it was a worse win than that. Jeff Brom has called this game their biggest game of the season. I'm just blind betting on big game Brom. I think Louisville, once this going away, and here's the thing, Louisville's gotten blown out the last four games against Kentucky. Like, not just beaten, blown out. I mean, these scores were 56-10, 45-13, 52-21, 26-13. I mean, bad losses. I think Jeff Brom reverses the trend here. He understands what he's got in this first year. He talked about preseason, how important it was. He didn't say it in these words, but to take advantage of this schedule, I think Louisville closes it out, man. 11-1, lay the points. I will take Louisville by a touchdown in this one. Let's go to the West Coast. The Apple Cup, which was renewed, despite, for some reason, what people think that you know, conference moving conferences means rivalry games die. We just talked about two teams that are in different conferences that continue to play. Um, so shout out to Washington and Washington State for quickly making this happen, not letting us go into the offseason wondering if it was the last time. N- none of that BS we've seen with other with other rivalries about is this the last time ever? There's no rules against the people. Um, so shout out to Washington and Washington State for putting that nonsense aside. So we got a football game on Saturday, not the last one, but an exciting one. Washington, of course, undefeated, chance to finish an undefeated season, first one since 1991. Washington State coming in with a with a big win. They've they've had ups and downs this season. Of course, they started off ranked early, got kind of hot, and got kind of cold, getting kind of warm again. But Washington is the 16 and a half point home favorite. Daniel, where are you going in the Apple Cup? Yeah, this one, I mean, yeah, I want to reiterate the shout-out for them getting on the schedule through 2028. Um, we're going to need more of that with all of these this conference realignment stuff. But, yeah, I mean, this one, Washington State, like you said, they've started hot, and then they've kind of cooled. They've lost four of the last five. They, you know, there's been several uh, – games where it's felt like they they've I mean scoring 24 points on Oregon I think is a big deal even in a loss you know that they lose to Cal that's a tough look but blowing out Colorado last week I think was a good kind of get right game for the Cougars Washington they've kind of we've mentioned this where they've kind of played around with each team that they've played since they've beaten Oregon um where they're kind of just like a boxer, just kind of feeling out their opponent and just getting like, you know, uh, split, you know, you know, split decision wins uh, throughout this whole time. So it's not they they haven't really knocked anybody out in a while. I feel like Washington is thirsty for that. I just don't know if they have it in them. Um, it's a sixteen and a half point line. I like Cam Ward and, you know, the quarterback for, for Washington State. I like the ability that they have to put points on the board against this Washington defense. I think that they're going to be able to do that. I don't think they're going to win the game, 
This is a game I would circle as potential chaos because of what could happen. Um, but I just don't – I don't think they can win the game outright. But 16.5 points, I am going to take the points with Washington State in this game. Um, Washington State is playing for a bowl game. For what it's worth, they're 5-6. and six, So if they were to pull the upset, they would also be able to go bowling. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but I do think they keep it close, and that's mostly because Washington, even if they get up, I think that there's a chance, not necessarily that they're pulling their starters, but that they have a conservative game plan to get the game over with so that they go into the next week to play Oregon for the the Pac-12 championship. So give me the Cougars plus the points. I'm with you. Uh, I'm I'm almost going vibes here, Daniel. Washington has had an extremely tough run of games. Um, USC win was by 10. The Utah win was by 7. The Oregon State win was by 2. I just don't think Washington at this point, we've kind of talked about this. To me, the best teams in the sport, they their graph kind of grows exponentially, right? Like their curve starts to steepen and go up. Like they get better and better and better, and they're playing their best ball in November. I.e., I mean, Georgia and Alabama are perfect examples of this this year. Of mm-hmm. Starting kind of slow, and look at them now. Washington has done the opposite. They're very deserving of the ranking. They got number four finally, which I, you know, I, I said I would have put them at three personally. Um, they have one of the best, if not the best one of the season against Oregon this year. Um, but they, I feel, I feel like they hit their ceiling. They've plateaued. They started killing teams, and now they're they're winning games. And there's something to be said for winning the games in front of you, like finding ways to win. All credit to Washington. They've been one of my favorite teams to watch this year. I picked them to finish first in the Pac-12 and Oregon to finish second. <laughs> so here we are. Let's hope it happens. Um, but I don't think they're deserving of laying sixteen and a half points at home against a better rival. I just don't. So. Washington wins, but give me the point. That is way too many for a team that's been squeaky, squeaking out wins of, let's see, their last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven games. None of them have been more than nine points. There you go. So 16 and a half or 10 points, excuse me, still a touchdown more than you've won your last seven games by. No way. Um, give me the points in this one for Washington State. Let's go to another SEC ACC game. You've got Florida and Florida State, and little I don't know if you add heat or take heat off of this one. Of course, the horrific injury to Jordan Travis we hate as college football fans, um, and he officially posted that he's you know his Florida State career is done. They still got to play some football, Daniel. They go to the mm-hmm. swamp on Saturday. Um, Florida looks like they're also going to be playing a backup quarterback. So you got a, a backup quarterback bowl for the. The, what, what do they call this rivalry even? I don't know, is it Sunshine State something? I have no idea. Yeah, it's the uh, the Sunshine Showdown. There you go. The sun. That's, that's hard to say. Florida, Florida State. That is. In, in the swamp, uh, Florida State is six and a half point road favorite in this one, Daniel. Um, Florida looking to make a bowl game as well. So uh, important game for both teams. Obviously, it's a rivalry. Florida State needs to finish undefeated if they want their playoff spot. And I think it's a dumb conversation to say, does undefeated Florida State deserve a playoff spot because Jordan Travis is hurt? That's 
ridiculous. Of course they do. They're in. Um, right. That being said, six and a half point road favorites. Where are you going with this game in Gainesville? Yeah, like like you said, undefeated Florida State is in. Um, what we've talked about, kind of a theme, is there is chaos potentially happening this weekend. This is another one of those games I have circled as, hey, big-time chaos opportunity because of Florida, Florida being able to make a bowl game, but also just giving Florida State a loss would eliminate them because even if they're ACC champs, because of what else is out there, it gives sure. the committee an opportunity to leave them out. So Florida knows that. Um, I do think that you know, there's a couple of players that are just, you know, ballers on Florida's offense as far as the, you know, Ricky Pearsall at wide receiver, uh, Travis E.T. or Trevor Etienne, excuse me, uh, as well as uh, what's his name? Johnson, uh, Montreal Johnson, the other uh, running back. They've got good stable of skill position players uh, on the offensive side of the ball, even without, you know, Graham Mertz in there. Uh, Tate Rodemaker, uh, yeah, it's Rodemaker, uh, Tate Rodemaker for um, Florida State. He was, you know, we're going to hear all about it uh, this weekend when you're watching the game, but he was uh, Mike Norvell's first commit um, out of Valdosta High School, played some winning ball there, title town high. Um, He's had to do this before. You know, he's played some games for Florida State. Some folks, you know, may have forgotten last year he had to – Jordan Travis got injured. He had to come in and bring them back against Louisville. Um, So this year doing that against, you know, North Alabama wasn't, you know, he he was used to that role, I guess. He did look nervous when he first came in. Uh, They had a couple of – you know, procedural things, a couple of, uh, you know, busted play here or there. I, I have faith that he's going to be able to make this, the team will be able to surround him with the, you know, these great players and everything like that. But I think he's going to be a playmaker in this system. I think the team believes in him. Norvell believes in him. It's always tough when you lose a guy like Jordan Travis, who's really, you know, embodies the whole program. But Rodenbaker's going to come in and kind of this week have the, you know, the practice reps, everybody's plan going into it. I think Florida State's still going to look very similar to what they've been able to do. I think the defense might even step up a little more than they have recently because they feel more needed than they have before. Before, they may have been resting a little bit on their laurels, knowing that they've got, you know, Keon Coleman, Jordan Travis, all these Trey Bents and all these great guys on offense that can just go score they may have been somewhat relaxed now. And maybe there's a heightened sense of we need to make every stop. We need to get every third down three and out, you know, get off the field. So I think that is going to come into play with Florida state in this game. Uh, I like Florida state to cover the six and a half. I think they're going to win. And I I do like the cover. So I'm going to stick with Florida state um, to do this. I think that it's a, it's a difference without Jordan Travis, but we may not notice it in one game. It would be more of like over the course of a season that you would notice it. So this game and then 
ACC championship, I think you still got very high percentage chance that Florida State not only wins both of those, but potentially covers both of those. So give me the Knowles, lay the points. College football has a way of working itself out. I think this is one of those working itself out kind of games. I, I'm with you in the, I circled this one and just went, huh? Um, six and a half. Florida's not like great this year. Now they're on their backup quarterback. They played Missouri close last week on the road. I think Missouri's a very good team. Billy Napier, if he, depending on what part of the fan base you ask, is on the hot seat question mark. Not really, but there's some fans who want to see some better results from Napier in year two. Um, Florida needs this game. The, the, this would change the narrative of Florida's season if they end up with going to a bowl game and beating Florida State and ruining their undefeated season. And I think they do it on Saturday. I'm picking Florida to win outright in this game. I think they beat Florida State in the swamp. Um, Mike Norvell talked about it in the press conference, but th- this will be, <laughs> he called it the best wide receivers he played this season. It's a long season. I think he forgot that he played two Boletnikoff finalists in week one <laughs> at LSU. Um, this will be the second best group of wide receivers he's faced this season at Florida between that's an elite group of receivers. I, I think Florida's defensive line possesses the ability to give Florida state's offensive line trouble. And with a backup quarterback, I, I just think as a backup quarterback, there's not a lot of places you want to go play on the road, but man, the swamp has got to be in the top five of places you really don't want to go play as a backup quarterback in your first start to go play in the swamp with, 88,000 people who, I mean, want to see you suffer (laughs) and want to see you have the worst game of your life. This just seems to me, Daniel, like one of these 7 p.m. in the swamp weird games where Florida State finds themselves in a dogfight and you look up and the clock hits zero and it's 21-20 and Florida's won the game somehow. Um where a missed extra point or a back-breaking pick six wins the game for either team. So give me the points, but I will go ahead and put a... I'll write it in pen that I'm picking Ford to win out right in this game. So I'll take the points. Give me the Gators in this one. Last game, 7.30, another ACC-SEC matchup. The number one Georgia Bulldogs travel to Atlanta to take on the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Um, again, I do think, Daniel, if, if Georgia Tech were to beat Georgia, this derails their season. Don't think Georgia goes to the playoff with a loss with the way things are working out this year. So, again, a rival that has a chance to ruin a season um, for their arch rival. Where are you going in this one? The clean old-fashioned hate. Yeah, this one, first time it's a night game since 2010. Um, Georgia and Georgia Tech have been playing at noon for the past several years. They had a couple of 330s sprinkled in there. But, um, yeah, this nice little change of pace uh, for this game. There have been some good good games at night for this one. But I think um, Georgia Tech obviously getting that win last week against Syracuse was huge. Being able to get the stamp that they're going to, you know, have a postseason, they're going to be a bowl team is awesome. Been very high on them, you know, relative from, from what they are this season. Um, Haynes King 
is really, you know, while he's had some turnovers, um, it's not been as bad as what they had previous the past few years, and he's been a little bit more explosive. Specifically, the run game has really uh, helped out on offense. Defensively, they, they've they been okay in some games. Other games, you know, it is what it is. They um, kind of belong to the ride for some of these games, but uh, they do have – they did make a change – Mid-season, Kevin Shear is their uh, defensive coordinator now. Um, Kirby Smart talked about it this week about Buster Faulkner being on this staff previously, Kevin Shear being on this staff previously. Obviously, there's some transfers from Georgia that are on Georgia Tech's roster. Uh, so there's familiarity there, but there's always familiarity with these teams because of just the nature of it. Kirby knows all these coaches. Uh, you know, the him and Brent Key were on the Alabama staff together. So there's a, there's a lot of just knowledge between the two. This really comes down to, I mean, it's a 23-and-a-half-point line. Georgia is going to win this game. Is Are they going to cover? Part of what I look at is where this team has been the past few weeks, and do they take this game seriously? I think under Kirby Smart, Georgia has taken Georgia Tech very seriously each and every year. Um, he knows, because when he was a player, he knows what it's like to be on the other side of this thing and to lose it, and that's not anywhere he wants to be. Um, so really it comes down to is Georgia going to come out and play their A game. They've been playing their A game for a few weeks now. I think Georgia comes out and does that offensively. I just don't think that. Um, you know, Georgia offensively, I don't think that Georgia Tech can stop them um, consistently at all. If if there's a stop, I think it's going to be an anomaly in this game. So I see Georgia putting up somewhere in the 40-point range. And then I just don't know if Georgia Tech's going to get to that 20-point mark. I wouldn't be surprised if they score on the opening drive. That's happened several times here for, you know, this Georgia, Georgia. defense has given up an early drive. And if you look at last season, Jacob, Georgia Tech played Georgia strong last season. One of the few times that Georgia trailed all year was Georgia Georgia Tech came in and gave Georgia a little bit of a scare. So um, Brent Key's definitely, uh, you know, a, a huge improvement from what they had in the previous regime. He was He had half season last year and then, this full season to show what he's done. He's done a great job with Georgia Tech. But when you're starting to have to actually compare them to like a college football playoff team like like Georgia, the the comparison is just not going to add up. So give me Georgia. I'm going to lay the points, the 23 and a half. Um, dogs cover, big win, and Bobby died under the lights. When this, uh, before the line came out, I immediately thought if this thing is above 24, um, taking the points in this game. Um, I mean, this this is impossible to not look ahead. These are college kids. You just came off of a run of, I mean, in your last six weeks, you faced four or five ranked teams, like when you played them. Um, it, it, it was the run at the end of the season that we talked about, the Georgia's hardest part of the schedule, especially these last four games. You come off of a road trip to Knoxville. You got Bama next week. These are 18 to 22 year olds. You can tell them all you want that, you know, 
this team can beat you. And they see the line just like we do. They see that 23 and a half, you know, everyone's already looking ahead to Bama. But this is not the first time that Georgia has come in with one or no losses against Georgia Tech. And like under Kirby Smart, with an SEC championship to play the next week. This has actually happened five previous times, the last five times they played. And the average margin of, margin of victory is 34 points. Kirby Smart lost to Georgia Tech his first season. Since then, it's, it's five straight wins by an average margin of 34 points. Last year was 23. So this is right at that number. Um, at 23 and a half, I'll lay it. If it was 24 and a half, I would take the other side. That's a key number for me. Um, I could see this being like a 44 to 20 kind of game where tech scores in the first drive. Cause everybody scores in the first drive against Georgia. And then Georgia runs off the next 44 points. And you know, they're, they're trying to get out of Atlanta at that point. I can see a backdoor cover here potentially happening. Um, cause Kirby smart's going to want to end this game as quickly as possible with it being a night game and them having the sec championship next week. So I expect to see backups and a running clock in the second half, which could lead to a tech cover, but 23 and a half is just under a key number for me. So I will lay the points with the dogs. This is our longest preview episode of the season, as it should be with the important games this week. Uh, Be sure to follow us on social media at the extra point pod on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And you can follow Daniel on Twitter at deep South Daniel. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Carnes with a K. That'll do it for this edition of the extra point. He is Daniel. I am Jacob. See ya.